The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk about why only the strongest survive in the search game. Joining us is Jason Barnard, who is an author, speaker, and consultant at Calicube, which is a groundbreaking digital marketing agency that pioneered the concept of exact match brand SERPs. Joining us again today is Jason Barnard, who is an author, speaker, and consultant at Calicube, which is a groundbreaking digital marketing agency that pioneered the concept of exact match brand serves. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. And today, Jason and I are going to wrap up our conversation by talking about the survival of the fittest, Darwinism in search. Okay, on with the show. Here's my conversation with Jason Barnard, author, speaker, and consultant at Calicube. Jason, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you. Third day, third interesting conversation. All topics I absolutely love and I'm happy to talk about for hours. Excited to continue and wrap up our conversation. So far this week, we talked about the power of owning your brand name, the brand SERP, and then also some of the other pieces of the page that Google is going to display when it comes to someone searching for your name or your brand's name, the knowledge panel being the second Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about the theory of search and, you know, why we're thinking of it as a survival of the fittest. Talk to me about what you consider to be Darwinism in search. Yeah, I mean, this actually happened a year and a half ago, and I was traveling around the world, going to conferences, giving talks. Like everybody else, I was kind of thinking, okay, we've got this algorithm. It's Google's algorithm that pushes things up to the top because Google thinks that they merit to be at the top. 
And I started to think, well, okay, what Google is actually doing is saying, what is the question that my user is asking? What is the answer or the potential solution? And which one will I recommend? So if we look at it from a point of view of Google saying, which is the answer or solution I'm going to recommend to my user for the question or the problem they have expressed, then we immediately change our point of view and it makes it much easier for us. And then I landed in Australia and I was allowed to ask Gary Leash one question as an expert. And I was with Greg Gifford, amazingly intelligent local search guy who asked him a question about local search. And I said, okay, is there a separate algorithm for the featured snippet? And I had the misfortune that Gary laughed in my face and then said, no, there isn't. But here's how it does work. And then he explained to the whole room, there were about 30 people in the room, what they explain to engineers when they arrive at Google. And basically, it's that you have the Blue Link algorithm, which is the fundamental foundation of everything. The Blue Link algorithm will take all these factors, that we call them factors, maybe that's not a fair assessment of what they are, but it will rank these results. And it will give you the top 10. Then parallel to that, you have the videos, the images, all the universal stuff, all the extended search stuff. And they all have a similar system whereby they will present a set of candidates for that first page. And they're all based on the same data that comes from Googlebot. And I've had confirmation from Fabrice Canal at Bingbot, who says, yeah, we collect all this. And that's the foundation of everything. It's Bingbot and Googlebot. But what they do is they then say, okay, how valuable is this video or this image? Or these people also ask to the user, given their query. And they each put in a bid. Now, he uses the word bid, and it's not a bid in the financial sense. It's a bid in the terms of value to the user. And if the videos can put in a bid that's better than the blue links, it gets a place on the SERP, which means that it is the fittest. It has survived or it has gained its place, and it kills a blue link. That was already mind-blowing because that explains exactly the mechanism behind how these elements such as images and videos and people also ask and carousels and feature snippets get their place on the SERP. And if you look at Jason Barnard, Darwinism in Search, you will find an article on Search Engine Journal which explains exactly what he told me. Then I talked to Frederick Dubuque from Bing who basically explained exactly the same thing to me about Bing. Now, it's fairly obvious when you think about it that Bing and Google function in much the same manner. They have the same data set, they have the same aim, they have the same user base, even though it's not exactly the same users, it's the same type of people, it's the same idea, which is recommending the best solution to a problem or the best answer to a question. And he said, oh, come along to Bing and let's do some interviews, it'd be really good fun. So I went to Bing and I did an interview with the guy for the videos, Minas Merchant, the guy for Feature Snippet, Ali Alvi, Brilliant people, really, really interesting to understand how it works. But what really killed me was Nathan Chalmers, who talked about the whole page algorithm. And I just, and what, where does this come from? Completely left field. You were thinking, okay, it's Darwinism in search, i.e. the videos provide more value, therefore they will get a place. He said, well, actually, no, there's a whole page algorithm that sits on top of the whole lot that overrides this if we don't feel that that video will truly bring value. It might appear to bring value. It might appear to be relevant and valuable to the user. But in fact, we know from user data, and we were talking about that yesterday, 
we know from user data that it actually doesn't satisfy the user. It doesn't bring the user to satisfaction quickly and efficiently, which is the one thing that comes back every time I talk to Google or to Bing. What brings the user to satisfaction efficiently, quickly? And if they can't do that, there's no point in having the result. The irony of this whole thing, I mean, that whole mechanism now makes total sense to me. You've got these different variations on the algorithm, on the basic fundamental blue link algorithm. So it is one algorithm, but it's iterations of it which drive all these different rich elements, what I call rich elements, universal extended search. But then you have the whole page algorithm that overrides if user behavior does not confirm what they are showing. And the irony of it, sorry, it's come to the end of this very long sentence that I've made, is that at Bing, the whole page algorithm is called Darwin. (laughs) So the interesting thing to me about this is that there is competition between the blue links, the blue link algorithm that you mentioned, and all of the various pieces of content that Google's putting on the page, there is no sort of static, well, here's the number of links we're going to put on and here's the number of additional modules. So how do you think Google evaluates what creates more value for the user when they're deciding whether to link someone off to a given page or direct them to a video, an image, right? Something that might be consumed on page. Well, I mean, the whole aim is to say, how can I get the user to satisfaction as quickly and efficiently as possible? Sometimes that's on the SERP. For example, one plus one equals two. You don't need to visit a site to find that out. It's going to put it on the SERP. That's an extreme example. For a feature snippet, if you've noticed, they don't have the ellipses anymore at the end. They tend to try and get the whole answer in the feature snippet, or they don't put it at all. So you end up with this situation as Google are very much saying, and being the same, If we can give the answer on the SERP, we will. If we can't, we'll send them through to the site. In terms of the content you're creating, that's a good way of looking at things, is some of the answers you're going to be giving are going to be giveable on the SERP, as it were, in which case you just need to brand it. That's your only choice. If you want that place, you take the place, you brand it, you make sure the people see your brand name, and it's a branding exercise. And if the answer is reasonably going to be on your site, you need to make sure that Google is convinced that you can deliver that content in the format and in a manner that's going to satisfy the user. So that's maybe two different types of content that you could look at in different manners. And then if you take that further, you can say, well, if I've got a video or a tweet or another piece of content that isn't necessarily on my site, perhaps I can optimize that and get some brand visibility through YouTube or through Twitter or through Facebook or through LinkedIn. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You could pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you could work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. 
Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Now, there's some consternation amongst the SEO community when you're talking about what type of content is delivered on page and what is linked yeah. to. Talk to me about how you react to the notion that, you know, most marketers would prefer to have a click happen and drive traffic to their site as opposed to Google doing the universal one search or the answer box or, you know, whatever delivers the information in their search. You know, we're saying the concept of Darwinism, the survival of the fittest, but there's also the notion of surviving as a marketer and a brand. How do you feel that Google's decision to display so much information in the page impacts marketers? Right. Well, I mean, I get it. And it's really, really painful. But at the same time, as a marketer, what are you trying to do? You're trying to satisfy your users. You're trying to do what's best for your users. If you do what's best for your users, you will make money. You will convert. And what Google is trying to do is exactly the same thing. I mean, it might not seem fair. It might not be nice. It might not help you in your own marketing experience. But what Google is trying to do is satisfy its users as quickly and efficiently as possible. And I don't say Google are 100% lovely people. And it's this benevolent company that perhaps some of us have thought in the past. But they are trying to satisfy their users. And as long as you let them use your content to do so on the SERP, they will continue to do so. After that, there's a whole debate about whether you should allow them, whether your competition will take that place if you don't take it. But I think if you take a step back and say, they're trying to do exactly what I'm trying to do, which is satisfy my users, maybe things don't seem quite so unfair. I think unfair is a good word as a way that people tend to look at this. And if you take another step back and you say, actually, these people are Google's users. They are not mine. A subset of Google's users are my audience. And that's what I'm trying to get Google to send to me. I'm trying to get Google to recommend me to a subset of its users. That is my audience. I hear what you're saying. I I don't know if I wholly agree with you in the sense that, no. you know, my job as a marketer is, yes, to satisfy the audience, but I am creating content as a marketing vehicle to try to engage with my audience to hopefully figure out how to build a relationship with them and deliver them products and services. Now, when Google steps in yeah. and takes that content and displays it, without driving them to my site, it has a business impact. And I think that's where... Sure. I think the term that I used earlier, the consternation comes is, you know, as marketers, we can go through the process of creating all this content and this value for the end consumer. And what it's in some level doing is helping Google deliver answers to their consumers. And mm -hmm. it's not necessarily sharing them with us. No, no, 100% fair comment. I agree. I, I mean, I really, really, really don't want to say that Google are doing this all in the most ethical manner possible. But I'm saying what they're trying to do is the same thing as we're all trying to do, which is satisfy our users. 
And an example would be if I created content, for example, one plus one equals two, that isn't really making much of a contribution to the universe as a whole or to my audience. So if it can be packaged into 100 words onto a SERP, is it really useful content? Are you really contributing anything very useful? Perhaps the exception would be videos where Google started to show videos. And I would start to say, yes, that's very unfair. But beyond that, if my answer is 50 words to answer a question, how much value does that truly bring to your audience? Yeah, I, I don't know if I can quantify the amount of value that it brings to the audience. I think that, and this is maybe just my personal, it's a notion of competition. And the thing that is interesting to me, most of the time we think about competition in search being against the other people that are trying to rank for the given yeah. terms, keywords, creating similar content to us. And in reality now, you're not only competing with the other brands, your direct competition, other people that are competing for the same keywords, you're also on some level competing with the actual search engines, which is a relatively new concept. Yeah, if you look at it, I mean, search engine is no longer a relevant term, just in the sense that, you know, they're trying to answer questions and solve problems. So it would be answer engine. And when you talk to somebody like Dawn Anderson, she's talking about assistive engines. And you talk about to Jazz Schultz about Discover, push, Google are now pushing content towards us. And then we come back to the knowledge panel, which we talked about yesterday, Google trying to understand, because if it can understand who you are, what you do, what your topic is, it can start pushing that content to its users who might be interested without them even having started to think about searching for that content. So there are advantages to be taken and Google Discover would be one. And it's an interesting, how would you say it? I mean, it's a really interesting situation. If you still think of Google as a search engine, your strategy is lagging behind because it's answering and it's assisting. And from my point of view, from a content point of view, I used to create blog posts and videos and so on and so forth in an attempt to please Google. I no longer do that. I create videos and content to post and to push onto platforms that are not Google, make them pay for themselves on their native, let's say, platforms, and then repackage it for Google's for a bonus. Perhaps that's the solution for the future. Yeah, I think that's great advice is that when you're thinking about creating your content, you need to focus on not only what helps your consumers, but also think about the various distribution channels and Google hmm. may or may not be the only one that matters, right? So yeah, and the interesting point, I mean, we've gone through this kind of whole discussion is that Google might actually be shooting itself in the foot to a certain extent in that if we switch our focus away from Google, it could well find itself with how can we say it? Repurpose secondary content rather than primary content. Yeah. If Google starts taking so much value away from the content creators, yeah. the content creators will inevitably put their content somewhere else. I think we're a ways away from that being the case. I think yeah. <laughs> Google is the 800-pound gorilla in the content creation room, and it's going to eat as many bananas as it damn well pleases. But that said, that's why we call it the Darwinism of search. Yeah, and Google is looking 10 years down the road. It's looking at kind of the next couple of years, let's say. But the idea, if you are saying Google is my bonus, I'm going to create content that pleases and satisfies and it brings value to my users on the platform that they are on, which is not Google. And Google gets the repurposed 
secondary content. Yeah, maybe things will turn around, but obviously, as you say, that would have to be massive. And I'm terribly, terribly optimistic and naive. And I like to think that might be the case. (laughs) Well, we're a ways away off from people thinking of Google as the secondary source of where they should put their content. But either way, Jason, I appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you being our guest. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing the knowledge with our audience. Yeah, that was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Benjamin. Oh, Ben. (laughs) Not sure now which to say. The the non-political other podcaster guy that talks about search. (laughs) That one. Brilliant. Genius. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Jason Barnard, author, speaker, and consultant at Calicube. We'd love to continue the conversation with you. So if you're interested in contacting Jason, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Jason M. Barnard, J-A-S-O-N-M-B-A-R-N-A-R-D. Or you could visit his company's website, which is calicube.pro, K-A-L-I-C-U-B-E dot P-R-O. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. But that's not the case anymore, thanks to Ahrefs. Because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to VoicesOfSearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also send us your topic suggestions or your SEO questions. You can even apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. And if you haven't subscribed and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Oh, 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 oh